The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 125 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host in the city of champions, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, the Dodgers won the World Series Tuesday night. You're surely celebrating that, but otherwise, how are you? Good. City of Champions, Los Angeles. Uh, we're up 2-1 two, two on Tampa in the, in the uh, ultimate race for which is the glam, most glamorous city in the country right now. It's pretty funny. Uh, I know people want us to talk a lot of basketball, but like, let's say the Bucks do win the Super Bowl, which I don't think is going to happen. Has it ever been that once the two cities have held the four major sports championships? It would seem probably not, right? At Maybe least back in modern in the day sports. when it was like New York and like Philadelphia were probably like the only two teams. But um, yeah, for for thirty teams, I mean, it is pretty and crazy to think about. Yeah, especially Tampa. I mean, like, look, LA like just spends a lot of money in in baseball, certainly. And you know, LeBron wanted to go to play in LA because it's LA. So for Tampa, you know, St. Pete area. Do you know the city's not called Tampa Bay? Do you know that? Oh, I did not. It's it's like St. Petersburg and like Fort Lauderdale and well, not Tampa. Tampa's a city, but that whole little area is. Oh, you're saying Tampa Bay is its own area, but the city itself is Tampa, Florida, not Tampa Bay. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. I got gotcha. you. Sorry. I don't think yes. I didn't know that until I started dating some Tampa girl. Um, but <laughs> it is pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like I love when small cities win titles. I think it's I think it's fun. I, I did read a uh, I did read a tweet that said if you were an ardent follower of Tampa Bay sports last night or Tuesday night, excuse me, was the 43rd playoff game in the last 71 days. Although, how sports. would you feel as a Tampa Bay Bucks fan? Well, I want to talk about that for a second. If, and then if we'll you get... win the title, not to go off topic, but like it's Brady's first year with the team. It's not like, you know, this is like a long suffering, you no. know, and that's why the Dodgers road, like Dirk Nowitzki finally wins with Dallas. Right. And that's why the Dodgers title I thought was so great. It was because like everybody wanted to see Clayton Kershaw win the title. This team has been around for so long. This iteration of the team has been to three of the last four world series. So you've kind of watched them struggle this specific group. I think there were 10 guys, nine guys on all three on all three World Series rosters. So, like, this was a group that you got used to. But Bovada Sportsbook does think the Tampa Buc- Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a real title contender. They have the third best Super Bowl odds currently. Kansas City plus 350, Baltimore plus 625, which seems a bit too high. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus 650. I think that seems a little too high, too. But that is interesting. Like, I think it's like peak – Tampa hype right now. I'm I'm saying Tampa Bay Buccaneers because like I don't know if you got the news wire. I think Woj reported or Schefter that we in fantasy football we traded Tom Brady this week because I'm like he's a little too hot 
touchdown did, wise. His touchdown rate is really high right now. Did have he did have a throw, and then we'll get into NBA sports so our <laughs> listeners. Uh, you know, Dondrick Ellison doesn't turn off the podcast because there's no basketball talk, but he did have a throw to Scotty Miller that was like the best Brady throw I've seen in like five years, and I was like, oh, maybe this guy's not washed, but. Anyway, well, they're, right. they're like wisely making the team around him with like slot guys and corners and that guy's a little quick guy. And Chris like, Godwin and did uh, tear his or break his finger. So he's at least yeah. out this week. So so who knows? But yeah, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, Tampa Bay, baby, they're, they're, they're playing well. Better than I expected for sure. Yes. So we now have the doldrums of the NBA offseason and we're starting to get some clarity on how long the offseason might actually be. We've talked about the draft being in like the middle of November. And as that gets closer, we'll start to talk a little bit more about it. You may have some draft stuff to talk about today, but we did get a proposed schedule for the next NBA season. Uh, I believe Shams Charania tweeted that they are targeting the start of the 2021 season to be December 22nd and that it would be a 72 game schedule. And it's great. It is great. I don't think that the NBA PA would uh, is going to agree. I don't know. I don't know. We saw in the article, I believe Shams tweeted that there was a $500 million difference between starting December 22nd and starting later in the year. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the NBA PA obviously would be more likely to sign off on a deal like this, but this is not a done deal yet. It is absolutely not. I, I just want to stress that, but well, they tend to follow the money. Like even the NFL, not to get back to that, but like clearly like a player safety risk in the NFL. And the idea that they might go to extra games is like ridiculous. I mean, this guy should get less games. I mean, they're battering themselves. And you think, oh, the players don't want to play more. But genuinely speaking, if they're going to pay more, I'll play more. That's like sort of like the player's mentality. And I right. can't blame them for that. And I think that was a big deal in getting the bubble restarted was that like, they were like, look guys, if we don't do it, we're going to lose millions of dollars. And like, it certainly doesn't affect your top tier guys, but you're, you're, you know, kind of lower level guys who only make a couple million dollars or less. Like that does affect them. Like that is a huge deal. So I, I'm, I'm wondering like, do we think December 22nd is enough time for, the guys that played deep into the bubble. I, I, I honestly can't even tell you off the top of my head when the season ended. I think October 11th was. Yeah, it seems, it yeah. seems bizarre. And it's like weird not to have a breath, even from a fan perspective. And then the, I think the concern, you know, everyone follows LeBron's lead. You know, he, they were floating, I think through Danny Green. I, Danny, Green that, Danny Green was the one that had these quotes. Yeah, that LeBron might take the first month off and maybe other veterans on the Lakers would do the same. Makes a lot of sense from the Lakers' perspective because you know you've shown that you can win the title. You probably don't care about a seed as much this coming year. If you cruise into the playoffs as the fourth seed, you have to feel pretty good about your chances. But I will say to those, and like we don't know, you know, the last time when the NBA locked out, I guess it was what 2011, 2012. They played 66 games. They started on Christmas, and that season happened very, very quickly. And now they're talking about playing 72 games. I'm assuming on uh, over the same calendar type, right? December 22, and then they'll try to end the finals exactly when it would have been scheduled before. So you're playing a couple more games. You probably have a few more back-to-backs. Like, and the NBA has tried very hard to get rid of those back-to-backs to make the season easier on guys. Does it seem like they're maybe trying – like, why aren't they starting December 22nd and then trying to play like a 55-game regular season? I mean, and I understand yeah, the TV, con- TV contracts, I think they have to play 72 games. I think that's the rule. Everybody has to play 72. I saw some stat, I don't know if it's accurate, 
<laughs> big new stat, but that um, live gate accounted for like 30% of their revenue or something like that. Dude, there's Since, no I don't know, way maybe, that's true. There's that's no what way. they claim. I'm not, uh, listen, uh, uh, well, here's another thing. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that that stat is not like that. What was tweeted is not what the information that was given to whoever tweeted it or whatever news outlet tweeted it. I just think owners lie about their books. Like if, if everyone's hemorrhaging money, like open your books and show us like, Hey, you're really losing money. But like, it doesn't make sense that franchises are worth as much as they are. And NBA owners need to sell out stadiums when we know that like, like the bucks were the best team in the East Zan. And we know they weren't selling out like a random Wednesday night against the Atlanta Hawks. Right. That, that is a lot of money. If you think about it, like, you know, say, what is that? How much is an average ticket? I don't even know. $20, probably more than that. Maybe but, more than but, that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say there's 20,000 fans, $20. Just assume tickets. it's, let's say it's 75 bucks. Let's say upper levels 50 and lower. Well, level I'm just saying, let's even say it's 20 at 20,000 fans. That's $400,000 just in ticket sales. I mean, that's a lot of money for a game. Right. But if the TV deals like a billion dollars, right. like we're, we're talking, this is the thing. We, we talked about this. On a, uh, we talked about this on the episode like a long time ago about how like, the difference between like us and a max NBA player is much less than the difference between like a max NBA player and a billionaire. And I think when we talk about like giant numbers, it's, it's hard to quantify that, but I just don't believe that gate receipts are that important. But I do think that the gate receipt conversation is a very important part about starting the season again, right? Because if they're aiming to start December 22nd, there are fans being allowed certain places, but it's mostly outdoor stadiums, right? And obviously all NBA games are played indoors, except for the random like aircraft carriers. So do we think that the NBA, because they're, they're not going to do a bubble. We, they, they said that it's like definitely off the table. There's not going to be a bubble because six months in a bubble would be relatively crazy. But like, do we think that the NBA thinks that they're targeting 25% capacity, 0% capacity for a beginning part of the season or, or what? Like there's nothing. We haven't seen anything about that, right? That's a good question. And we'll see what the numbers come in. Like, And, uh, you know, I think COVID's going to get a little worse this fall, this winter. But then, hopefully, not to cross podcasts, but like you get a new president, and maybe there's a different mentality about this whole thing. Um, I think it's fine to start later. I mean, like it's. I think it should be like a permanent change. I mean, like as a multi-sport fan, it always feels yeah. like the NBA starts too early, and it always like yeah. encroaches on football when people are still paying attention to football. I, I, I think, think even past Christmas. I mean, Christmas is a fine start date. It makes sense. It feels but, like that that's when people do. I hate giving these like anecdotal arguments, but it does feel like people do feel like, you know, Christmas is really when they start paying attention. Like they're at home. Right. But the, then, but you know what it is? It's like people start paying attention in the beginning of the season and Christmas. And then like, you know, Zion's debut, maybe get some buzz. And then there's like a long, slow middle part of the season it's real it's really long you're talking like you're talking like january to like the right of April. it's just like yeah. it's just like people check out and they talk about they start talking about maybe the trade deadline maybe there's something here i don't know but then it's, it feels like people just stop paying attention they watch until, like the they watch like the dunk contest and like you right. hear a lot of like very irresponsible takes around the all-star break and then all of a sudden like the very end of the season people tune back in and they start watching the playoffs again because there's more games on there's more games to watch i do agree with you I, you know what now that i think about it i think it's intentional that the all-star break you'd think it would be halfway through the season it's about like what 50 games in maybe more I yeah think. sometimes a little later than that and i think i think you're right like they do it around valentine's day because then there's really like about a month maybe six weeks of the nba regular season left 
So you kind of ramp it up and it really right. well, and also everybody. like pushing the all-star game back gives another storyline to keep people interested. Kind of, it's like, who's going to make the all-star team. Cause if that ended and then you have another 40 games till the playoffs, it would just be like even more obvious, like how overly long the season is, frankly. Yeah. And, and I wonder, like I said, you know, one of the things we've talked about with coronavirus and, and everything that's kind of happening in the United States, just to, again, not to be political is like, how is it ultimately going to affect things long-term? And I think like a lot of companies are going to look and be like, Hey, we don't need to spend a hundred million dollars on office space because 50% of our employees can work from home and it's okay. So I wonder if like, are, is the NBA going to look at this and be like, you know, maybe 70 games is the answer. 72 right. games well, is the answer. Well, like, look at the bubble. Like when, before we shut it down, it was 62 games about. And correct. then they're like, we want to go back just for TV rights and play some extra games. But if they just ended at 62, what would have changed? Virtually nothing. Oh, I mean, yeah. like I mean, Memphis would have made the playoffs and lost in the first round as opposed to Portland losing in the first round. But who right. cares? And But all the other seedings were pretty much held pat, right? Like, yeah. And then... It yeah, didn't I, matter. I, I mean, and we only played at 10 extra. Perhaps games. the Lakers would have lost because they struggled early in the bubble. But I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, right. The, like the, only, the only difference is maybe like there's a higher likelihood of stars getting hurt or something. I mean, like it's doesn't make sense if you were doing an ideal i think 72 is kind of cool number because it's close you know used to be the bulls record win total but um it feels fine and the fact that you know everyone looks at season um per game averages anyway like doesn't affect the stats no and and like i remember i told you this before but genie bus was like once on a podcast saying like it affects the stats and the history and it's like no one knows aggregate totals yeah, could like you, point leaders could you tell me like if i told you like hey who scored the most in points in an nba season like i'm sure you would say will chamberlain but there's Probably no way that you can tell me the exact number right no and there's no like magic number where it's like oh this guy hit 500 threes this year it's like no one knows any i can't name a single raw it stat. is funny when they put those numbers on the screen like you watch espn or you watch nba tv and they'll put like total threes made by like steph curry and it's like if the numbers are crazy in a vacuum but like you have no idea that like you know, the record used to be like Ray Allen with like 283s right. in the season and then Steph Curry beat it by 200. So what do we care about? Right. Like, I remember I, this one like funny exchange. It's very different than baseball. It's very I different. Was watching, yeah, totally. And even football. But I was watching yeah. a football game once and um, the announcer, like he was like an inexperienced guy. And it was towards the end of the season. He's like, wow, that is the Rams 300th first down this year. Isn't that an incredible number? And the guy's like, I don't know what the average number is. Like, that's just like such a random poll. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's, it's funny when we talk about analytics and you talk about like different stats that some people just start to like take up. Right. And do you remember at a certain period of time, like I, there, there's a big deal about like passes in the NBA, right? Like how many passes do you need? Like San Antonio passes it so much. And it reminded me of the whole like number of plays revolution in football when like chip kelly was like oh he has 80 plays a game they're gonna win if they get to 81 plays and they started to realize like that's actually not true like time of possession doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna win the game and it's like you can't draw certain correlations from things in basketball i just remember passes was the big deal like there was an article on grantland about how the ball moved in golden state and then their teams were better when they played more iso like their teams were better with kevin durant in 17 18 and 19 and it was like so we don't, we don't know, you know what I mean? And so I think like when you talk about stuff like that, I, I just think, does anyone care about records in the NBA anyway, by the way? No. Like, Season nobody's used to be important. That was like, like the, the big one, I think. Like certainly if somebody was going to average, what it, Will Chamberlain averaged 50.2 points a game or whatever. Like well, I think the, per game still matters. Like so, Russell okay. Westbrook won the MVP because he got a triple double. 
Yeah, but now people say that doesn't matter. But anyway, so but seventy-two games. I think we're both in agreement. Like that's a that's probably a better fine. number. Absolutely. It's fine. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. fine. And I think you know, for for comparison's sake, I I do feel like the NBA does need to really market themselves, you know, in, in that kind of box, like Christmas to summer. Like this is where we are, right? Like them and the NHL are always on at the same time, but like it's very clear that they're not going to be able to compete with the NFL. So like, if you even, if you look at that, like, why do you even want the November games? Like, why, why does it matter? Right. There's so much on there's college basketball. There's the NFL. Like you, you just don't need it. So, well, you know, what sucks too. I mean, this is like a big picture thing. Like I was watching the Eagles giants football. Great. Phenomenal game. <laughs> like really one well played. against a one in five team. You really know, good. Oppie. It was close though. And I'm like, I can watch this. I'm entertained by this game because yeah. it's close. And it's just like a fundamental difference between football and baseball to some extent. But it's like football scoring, like, hey, the first scoring a touchdown in the first quarter is a big deal. You know, interception for a touchdown in the second quarter, that's a big deal. If you're watching like a random, you know, Hornets magic game on Thursday night and like the magic have a 10 point lead in the second quarter, it just doesn't feel like a big deal because their yeah. scoring is so easy and there could be a comeback and you tend to just watch the end of the game. Yeah. And that's like a very fundamental problem with the sport. If people's eyes glaze over for three quarters of your game. Yeah. Well, the good news is if you are looking for more action on Bovada, they do offer a lot of different international lines too. If you want to get in, you can bet on the Euro cup, you can bet on the Euro league, so if you're looking for a situation where you don't want your eyes to glaze over and you do want to watch some more boring basketball, like you could bet Bayern Munich and Real Madrid on, I believe, Thursday, October 29th, Real Madrid minus seven and a half. You know, I, I just think that well, it kind of reminds me like the NBA's game is almost like a microcosm of the season because it's it like you, you really in, into the first quarter and you get excited and then it kind of like glazes over you and then you care at the end. That's yeah. basically and, the, and, there are, season and there are people obviously that care on a very regular basis and like they, they want to sure. watch their favorite team. But I do think from a national perspective, like Thursday night football does really well. And you watch like the Eagles and the giants or it's, I think it's Carolina and Atlanta this coming Thursday, which is just a dog shit matchup of course. But like you could expect to see like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones do something really good. But like you said, if you want to use this Charlotte and Orlando matchup, like are you tuning in hoping like Malik Monk goes for 60? Like you don't see, it's just not really a thing. Yeah. It's and just not. I think they'll figure it out. They've done a good job so far. I will say one last thing about the scheduling. If Le- Two things, actually. Let's say Le- if LeBron wants to take a month off, two months off, three months off, that's fine. I don't care. I think it's, his, you know, it's probably a smart decision. He's done it once before, remember? He, he yeah, did it one took, time. He took a vacation. Uh, it took a vacation to load up on his HGH. But um, he, I'm just saying, like, that's fine. I I. It's LeBron might be a unique case because he's like oddly underpaid, but let's say it was like Danny Green, like taking a month off to rehab his body. That's fine. I think you should have the right to do that. I just don't think you should be paid for those games. I don't know how the NBA deals with that. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's a weird kind of thing. Like if, Danny, if you're paying Danny Green fifteen million dollars a year and he decides to take two months off, like is that fair? No, but it's also like. We talked about this with Anthony Davis just deciding like he was done playing. Like in the NBA, guys have a ton of power because they have guaranteed contracts, right? Like we don't see a situation where, you know, like Le'Veon Bell decides he's not going to play and he like just legitimately does not get paid. Like in the NBA, like you – we saw this again with like Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio. Like 
he was not healthy, I guess, and he didn't play and he received all his money. And again, that's, you know, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, and this also shows you like athletes tend to have like a warrior mentality, like I'll play no matter what. But the NBA regular season is just so um, inconsequential that it allows them that luxury. But the other thing, too, about LeBron, let's say he takes two months off, a month off. Totally fine. Makes sense. And LeBron fans would defend him. But then you kind of have to make a choice. Like, then you can't argue for him for MVP, you know? Like, Correct. You, I, yeah, you know? I and, like, we're going to hear that. Like, he's the best player. He's won, you know, finals MVP. If he if he coasts in the regular season, you don't deserve MVP. That, that's sort of the award of the regular season, right? Yeah, and I will say, John Hollinger, real quick, just to tie a bow on the schedule thing before we talk about Stan Van Gundy, I think, but uh, this would be 72 games in 135 days, and uh, typically it's 177 days for 82 games, so it's much more compressed. Draft is November 18th, and then you know free agency is typically right after the draft. So that would mean we're probably looking at like a month of free agency, right? So you're looking even if, let's say like... Yeah, and I'm surprised that we haven't heard more like rumors and well, leaks about that. And and I, I mean, I totally agree with that. And, you know, one of the crazy things is usually training camp's three weeks. So like, if that's the case, then the draft's going to be like November 19th. Free agency starts the next day, I guess, or two days after. Maybe they, st- the, maybe they waive the moratorium. And then all of a sudden training camp's like December 1st. Like it's going to be a very compressed off season. And I wonder... You know, well, why do you think we haven't heard like rumors about which guys are going where? Is it because of COVID and people aren't yeah, sure just, about the cap? I just don't, yeah, I think that I do think that's a huge issue. I think that there have also not been a ton of communication between, like, I, I'm sure there's been teams and agents, but like, if teams don't know what they're doing in the draft yet, and if like their facilities are closed down, I, I just think like there's a little probably more of a bottleneck of like a flow of information, right? Because well, you we're don't, starting to see it about the draft. I thought it was yeah. interesting. You didn't, you've kind of you said tuned it out, but. It's like smokescreen season, like incredible degree. There was it's one been report. Smoke screen, it's been smokescreen season for like three months. Well, there's one report that said the Warriors want number two pick, want Denny Avdia or whatever, the Israeli kid. Bija, yeah. And then there was one report saying that they really wanted Weissman. And then there was one report that they really wanted Obi Toppin from Dayton. Um, obviously, all that can't be true. Maybe they're throwing as to the fan and seeing what sticks for like a trade or something, but it is interesting. And there was a report to just now from Chad Ford, your old buddy um, saying that teams are, you know, actually kind of wary of presumptive number one pick Anthony Edwards and really don't like him that much. And so you look at Bovada, he's is over under and pick is one and a half. So if that's true, he's not going number one he might slide a little bit. That's pretty good. What are, what are, what's the value on that? Is that even money? It's No, it's minus 200 to have him not go number one. Wow. That's pretty interesting. And I don't know that the betting market for the NBA. Oh, no, actually, it's like, plus 150. Never mind. I, yeah, that's I pretty good. That. It's, yeah, because his, his odds to go number one are minus 200. So if you I, bet him not to go number one, you get plus 150. I, I've actually done a fair amount of film work over the last like couple weeks i was talking to a couple guys that i like trust a good bit about anthony edwards and so it's kind of you know i've been very high on anthony edwards for about like i don't know two years now probably does that sound right to you like yes. i've been talking about you're, you're the one who like talked me into him when he was in high school yeah and uh i don't know that i would 
I don't know that I'm as slam dunk like I'll take Anthony Edwards number one. I think I still would, but I, I do think there's a really good argument for LaMelo Ball. Like I, I can see it for sure in terms of like watching those two guys. And, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, I think. At, yeah, at we, a later we remember date. we but did like, a whole like month of draft. Yeah, because we, we thought we were getting draft. a draft. We thought we were getting a draft. That was so oh, the, long ago. It was so long ago. And I, it makes me think like there's going to be complaints from teams like we didn't have time to scout. And I'm like, hey, we had time to do a month long draft preview. Yeah, you you mean, had time to do that while you were waiting. I, around and like don't get me wrong i think it's very important to get guys in the building but this is going to well, be what very about like a draft to... bubble could they do that see that is what i thought made the most sense like just force everybody to show up and like yeah let teams and like work, work out and, and, and you can do for a week or two you could do it at disney world like they have enough courts that like each team could have their own kind of like workouts and you could you know you could do the combine there and whatever but i don't know it seems too late to do that now and teams is a good steve, idea well steve kerr was on all the smoke I guess the other week. And he said that like the warriors and like other teams that were not in the bubble had been in like a, their own little, like two week bubble where they got a chance to like work out their D league guys and G league guys. And like Clay Thompson was there. He said like Steph and Draymond did not go, but like, so the teams that have not played in a while have had that option. Like I, I know that for a fact. So like, well, those teams cool. haven't gotten a chance to like work out draft prospects yet, but they have gotten a chance to work out their own players. So like, you know, we talk about guys like, I don't know, Damian Lee or whatever, like, is he, or Jordan Poole, like, are those guys part of Golden State's future plans? Like, they're at least getting some clarity on stuff like that, or at least trying to. Well, and one of the reasons I think the NBA players, the prospects, wouldn't want to do it is, like, they don't really like teams knowing all the information. Like, if you're James Weissman, for example, like, maybe you don't want Charlotte to know your medical situation. Maybe you want to, you know, fall to Atlanta or whatever it is, or, you know, um, so it does take the power out of their hands. They always fight against this when like the, the teams know too much about the prospects, which is weird to me, but I, I, that's what I was talking to. I have a friend uh, who works in a front office and uh, very big, real great name, Drake. but I was talking to him about like, do I, have I watched, have I had too much time to sit and think about Anthony Edwards? You know what I mean? Like, Whereas, like, if the draft was its typical June date, I would have just taken Anthony Edwards and been, like, totally fine with it. But instead, like, now I'm, like, starved for more basketball content. So I'm like, well, let's pile. Let's watch Georgia versus LSU again and, like, start to pick out wards. It's kind of like when you see quarterbacks stay in college, like, an extra year. And then all of a sudden, instead of going one, they go, like, 12th, right? Because teams just have so much time to think about them. And I think, like, that's going to be that You're 100% right, and especially in football and and everything. It's like the mystery is better than the – or Supreme yeah. Court nominees, like you want as little tape and you know paper trail as possible. All right, real quick, one housekeeping thing: it is Denny of Avdia. Avdia. Okay, Avdia. for as we just continue to mispronounce people's names, uh, I think he's going to go higher than expected. I I think he's a guy that that less mystery has been bad for me on. I, I've soured on him quite a bit. Really? But I'll tell you I, what. I, I think people are going to rise on him just because of Luca and because you know he's tall and like and I think the other guys just didn't really show me, that well he's 20 t- to 1 to be the first overall pick I don't think that's a terrible bet let me tell you what about like mystery though Alexi Pokusevsky I'm all in on that guy really? I'm telling you I am I am literally all in on that guy like I think he would be like fourth or fifth on my board maybe I'll actually really? Really read a real big board yeah he's his film is interesting if he wasn't so skinny I think he'd be the number one pick but, I mean I, he, that because I totally disagree because I just based on limited highlights you think, think he's you, wanna... hun- you think he's 140 pounds though that's the <laughs> but problem look, look at you think he's actually on. the slender man <laughs> go on if you want to like follow along 
Go on like Tankathon. They have a really good like board and they show you highlights in each guy. Right now he's ranked, he's gone up to number nine. This guy, yeah, Alexi Polokosovsky. Yeah, they had him in the he's, middle of the pack. He was like 50. He's literally he's, listed at seven feet, 200 pounds. Oh, he's less than 200 pounds. Anyway, all he right. Looks like, he looks like scary thing. One more. Like if you saw him, you would, you would maybe tell him that he needs to talk to a counselor. <laughs> Right? Oh my god! I would tell him to just keep jacking threes. But I, might, I just don't like his body type it, too. It's like that long and like narrow frame. And, he is really thin. He's really thin. He's more fluid than like Andre Bargnani was, though. If you want to talk about like guys like that, right? Like he's not Nicholas Skidish Feely. You know what I mean? Like, but you think he could be like what, like a Porzingis or something? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I is? do think that. I think he's. I think he's probably more likely to be like if his ceiling is what we think it is like i think he's more likely to be kevin durant honestly like i don't kevin think durant i don't think he's that i don't think he's that but if you're trying to project him out and you're like hey this is why i would take this guy in the top five i mean his combination of like ball handling and shooting and rim protection is you know he's more of a wing than porzingis is like i always thought porzingis was like a slam dunk five man like i thought he was a stretch five like that's just always who he was i see this kid is probably not that he's probably a four in this in the nba like he's not a five at all you know he's you know not it's interesting guy. too He's from Serbia. He plays in Greece, I guess. But originally, he's home country of Serbia. Denny is Israeli, but Israeli. I guess half Israeli, but half Serbian. Correct. Yeah. And I think remember I said like Eastern Europeans, like don't don't sleep on them. They're tough people. It's funny. So though, I kind of like that mentality. Yeah, but we've also had plenty of Eastern Europeans that that haven't necessarily worked out. That's but, true. Uh, all right. The only the other piece of like big NBA news as we try to fill more time. The New Orleans Pelicans hired a head coach. It is Stan Van Gundy. He got a four-year deal. And I think it's interesting. We, we kind of talked about how, like, this is where it was headed, right? I, I think you said, like, it seemed like it was pretty close to a done deal. And uh, we got the announcement earlier last week. But if I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but Houston still hasn't hired a coach. Yeah, Houston no coach, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, City no coach. That's wild to me. Considering the condensed offseason drafts in 20 days, not to have a coach. Especially because Houston has a list of finalists, so like, what's the problem, right? Just hire yeah, John and they, Lucas and be done with it. But they, you know what? I read something again, smokescreen. Maybe I don't know why they had three candidates. It was Lucas, Van Gundy, and Silas, and now they're saying yeah, they're so probably going to do Lucas as like the assistant, and either for Stila, Silas or Van Gundy. So I'm like, what are you waiting for? Like, why what? would you hire? Why would you hire Jeff Van Gundy with John Lucas? That doesn't make sense. Wouldn't it be just Steven Silas? You got to narrow down. Like, look at Claire on The Bachelorette. She's already picked a winner, and she's twenty guys into it. You don't. How's that? that How's that show going uh, during the pandemic? Beautiful train wreck. Like this girl is like picked like laser focus on one of the thirty guys. Yeah, there's only been a couple episodes, right? There's only been like three or four episodes. There's twenty. I think that I'm just eyeballing twenty five guys left. Twenty guys left. She calls one of the guys her fiance. That's how much she she's into this guy. It's funny. Meanwhile, it's, Houston can't even pick between one and three. Right. It's yeah. It's, it's interesting TV shows during like the during the pandemic because like Jersey Shore Family Vacation is coming back and basically they just put the they're filming it now or they're almost done filming it. And it's just like Paulie D rented out an entire hotel in Las Vegas and they're just in the hotel themselves. Like it's like is this good TV? We'll see. I'll watch it, of course. Uh, but anyways, Stan Van Gundy. I would watch a him in a bubble. Yeah, I'd watch a reality show. So, so a couple things with Stan Van Gundy, right? So, Stan Van Gundy's been around a long time, and he's yeah, very he started, well. Liked. He started as a head coach in two thousand three, 
Right. And for the Miami Heat, correct? Yes. Three years, only three, only two and a half, really, with the Miami Heat. Went to Orlando for five years, had the great run there, went to the finals. Went to Detroit. Mixed results in Detroit. Only one winning season out of four. Very interesting. But they were okay. They they won like the last few years, 37, 39. So they were like in on the verge of the playoffs. Yeah. Prior to, I mean, his winning percentage before uh, Detroit was was really good. Like very, very good. He definitely cobbled back some favor, I think, with his season as an announcer this year. I think people really like him. One thing I will say about this, though, and I, I tend to like to read tea leaves and speculate wildly about things. You know, that's one of my favorite things to do. But I would say that this hire means that New Orleans thinks they're closer to competing than people. That's think. A, that's a good theory. Absolutely. Um, like, if you're going to hire Stephen Gundy and you're going to have your team is going to be relatively young. Obviously, they're they're going to resign Brandon Ingram. I'm sure they're going to max him. Uh, I, I would imagine that means Derek Favors is gone. But like. Hopefully we get a full season of Zion, like Nikhil Walker-Alexander. I still am very – or Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I'm still quite excited about. Jackson Hayes was pretty good. Still have J.J. Redick. Like, I think that they are circling that they're making the playoffs this year, and that's why you hire Stan Van Gundy. Because if you still think you were like a year or two away, maybe you hire a developmental type of coach. Like, you know, maybe you hire a young assistant. Like, you do the Taylor Jenkins route with, like, a guy like Chris Finch, and, and you see how it works and see if you can build to that. But – if you're hiring Stan Van Gundy, I think that means you're going to comp- you feel like you're going to compete right away. That's yeah, that's well, my you thought. Know, Stan, that's a great thought because Stan Van Gundy's two years older than Doc Rivers. I don't think he's really in it for the long. I mean, Hall in terms of like, does he want to coach a really bad team? I don't know. Who knows? But he's never really done that. Like even in Detroit, they never fully rebuilt. You know, they tried to make the playoffs. No, and his teams were always just middle of the road in Detroit, right? Like he was like, they never really 32 was their lowest, but like they, I don't think they even tried to lose. But even in that, even in that year that they went 32 and 50, he, his, the offense was ranked 13th and the defense was ranked 20th. So like they were very clearly just like, you know, between the 15th and 20th best team. Yeah, and it wasn't like th- that team. He didn't inherit that team as a rebuild. They had, they thought they had something with Reggie Jackson, um, you know, and they they had uh, tail end, you know, Greg Monroe, Andre Drummond era, the tag team didn't work out. Can you yeah, imagine a modern very, NBA team doing that? I, like, I was going to say we're going to start is, Monroe and Drummond together. This is a very different situation for Steaming Gundy. Like he goes into this situation with a roster that very clearly has a blueprint for the future. And then obviously we've talked about this before and these Lakers picks could end up being not so good or they could be great. But like he walks into a situation where like the future is very bright. Like this is a job where like me, let's say this year they win 43 games. Well, I don't know, a 72 game season. Let's say this year they go 500 and they miss. Yeah, the we, that's the one thing we're gonna have to adjust is yeah. like, how do you talk about so, so let's say they win like, let's say they win 35 games at 36 games. They just go 500. Don't make the playoffs or maybe they're the eighth seed or something. I would assume in the West, you probably miss the playoffs at 500, but you have a bunch of like picks and like reinforcements coming in to get yourself more help. And, and the one thing that has always been very apparent about Stan Gundy is like, I have not heard anyone speak negatively about Stan Gundy's ability to look at a basketball team and decide the best course of action like over the regular season does that make sense like no absolutely and you're right about the him showing well as a broadcaster and even on like it sounds so silly but on twitter like he's hip and he's with it and he talks 
talks about Black Lives Matter. And like, it shows you that he's like in touch with like the modern yeah. culture. He, he and that's really big for a guy in his 60s. And, you know, like we, JJ Reddick has said this. I think Vince Carter said this. Matt Barnes has said this. Like, Stan Van Gundy is like an incredibly good basketball coach. Like, he's very good at like getting the most out of guys. He's very good at getting guys to play with him. Now, his, he has very clearly, he has the master of panic thing. That's come from a number of people. We've heard a lot of people talk about how he kind of freaked out in Orlando about playing Boston and, and kind of blew it in that 2000, I think it was like 2011 playoffs when Orlando was probably the best team in the league and he overcoached them. But I mean, that was 10 years ago now. Like hopefully he's had some time and he's reflected on that and he's able to, to kind of move on from that. And I think he, of all like the retread hires, right. Stan makes more sense to me than like Tom no, Thibodeau. Totally. Cause he, he's updated himself, you know, and I think you're right. I think he's an excellent coach. And like, I think retreads get such a bad rap. Like if you've yeah. been a coach twice for 15 years, by the time you're 60, chances are you were ahead of your time. Like you were a very good coach at a young age. You shouldn't be for sure. For that. Yeah, for sure. That's not, that's not your fault because sometimes you just fall out of favor anyway. You know, like, yeah. like, are and we also gonna- like, like talk about, I, I always use this example as like retreads, retreads. Like Frank Vogel just won the title, by the way, and got a lot of, got deservedly so Right. And this is his, the third team that he's been the head coach. Right. Of. And he looked really bad in Orlando. And then in the NFL, who are the best coaches in the league? Bill Belichick, retread. Andy Reid. Andy Reid, retread. Pete Carroll, retread. <sighs> I mean, like. Not Pete Carroll. That's that's a, you don't think he's one of the best coaches? No, I think he's a horrendous game day coach. He's very good at some other things for sure, but he's a very bad. <laughs> I don't know. He's like <laughs> won like 10 games, like 10 years in a row or something. But how many games do you think you could win with Russell Wilson as quarterback? They weren't built around Russell Wilson at first, though, I remember. Yeah, but they didn't win the title until they got Russell Wilson. That's true, but they had an awesome defense. He's always had a... But now their defense stinks. Yeah. Isn't that Pete of... Carroll's fault? I like Pete Carroll. He's a great gum chewer. Amazing gum chewer. Well, you didn't, you didn't ask Tom Brady. The big Tom Brady trade was for Russell Wilson. I'm embracing the new modern ambassador. I'm like the standard of fantasy football coach. You're going so, to be so mad watching Seahawks games, watching Pete Carroll take it out of his hands in like big moments. You know, it's so it's bad. But I just but no, I, I in general, let's talk about New Orleans because I, I think it's a good hire. And I think you're right. I think this team's closer than, than people think. I think if Zion is healthy, this might have been my preferred job because the upside of him is massive. The team like seems coachable. Like Zion seems coachable. Drew Holiday is a good guy. Brandon Ingram looks, you know, half asleep half the time, but I don't quite know what's going on in his head, but he's good. Um, I think this is a team that should make the playoffs next year. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Cause we don't know what they're going to do with Drew Holiday, right? Like he's a very hot name on the trade market. We don't know what they're going to do with JJ Reddick. Cause I think he has one year left on his deal. And he did break JJ broke out with Stan Van Gundy. He like, he really, he really likes Stan Van Gundy. He, he spoke about that on, on either on his podcast or another podcast I've listened to with him in it, like talked about how much he liked Stan and how like Stan was kind of the first guy that was like, Hey, you can play in the NBA. So maybe they won't, but I'm just saying like, those are appealing trade chips, right? Like drew and JJ Reddick. Like, I mean, what would like, – like, I don't even know. There, there's got to be a couple teams that would give up like a lot for J.J. Redick because they think like they're one piece away maybe. Like, I don't know about a lot. Like, what, yeah, like maybe not late a Late round one pick or something? Yeah, I don't know if you give up a first round pick for J.J. Redick. Probably I think the, like the, the thing you always have to figure out is like their timeline 
are you committing to playing Zion more at the five? And then um, Lonzo Ball, I think, is like the big hanging question mark still. Because like they, I don't know if it makes sense to keep him and Drew around. They're playing Drew at like shooting guard almost exclusively now. Um, like is Lonzo Ball somebody you're going to pay fifteen million dollars to? I don't know. It feels like it limits their ceiling. Almost. I like Lonzo. I don't know. But I I agree with you though. Like the fit with Drew Holiday is probably one of the reasons why Lonzo had a really good year is because you have these two very good defensive guards, and then you have a, a high usage wing score, and then you have Zion that you get to add to the mix. I, I think it's fair to say that with New Orleans, there's a number of directions they can go, right? And that I personally don't know. You know, JJ Redick's not going to be there for five more years right like yeah, I, this I is probably his last year right i think he'll, I, yeah he might play uh he well, might i guess play. kyle corver's still around right yeah kyle corver's still making still making shots too but like with drew you don't need to move him right you don't need to move jj reddick but if those guys aren't part of your long-term plans how much bandwidth should you develop to should you give to developing the team this year with those two guys right like does that make sense what i'm saying like I want to run this back with this roster and I want to see what they can do with Zion healthy for the whole year. Cause maybe this roster is way better than we think, right? Like maybe they, they finished like 11th or 12th in the bubble, but like new Orleans wasn't really trying to win. I think Stan is a better, I think Stan Van Gundy's a better coach than Alvin Gentry. So like, maybe this is a, in a normal season, like maybe this is a 48 to 50 win team. And if that's the case, shouldn't you just right. play with this roster? Yeah. And you know what? Lonzo, Probably doesn't deserve enough credit. Like Brandon Ingram won most improved, but Lonzo showed a lot of improvement this year. His, his three-point percentage went from about 31% career to 37 this year. His free throws got about, you know, it sounds silly, but he was under 50%. He shot 56% this year. That's improvement. Um, And, you know, you, obviously seven assists a game. You know, he just weird. There's still like just weird things. It's like he, how scared he is of like going inside you know, one free throw attempt a game, maybe because he's not a good shooter. From corner threes, he shot 30%. It just seems like so odd. Do you think if they move off, do you think like if they move off Lonzo Ball, it, like you, you again, you know, we, we talked about this. They had Nikel Alexander-Walker, who we both think is pretty good, but didn't really get a chance to show that. But like if they move off Lonzo Ball, like what do they do at the point guard spot? Because surely yeah, like, know. You, you know, you're going to end up, like I said, let's just assume they get Brandon Ingram $100 million, 105 110 whatever it is, right? I don't know what the max is going to be this specific year. But, you know, assuming he gets paid, you, you definitely – Zion appears that he will be a max player in three years, right? Like, it, it looks that way, assuming he stays healthy. So, if you move off Drew Holiday, like, maybe New Orleans becomes a free agent destination in 2021, like, with that class. But at the same time, you – don't want to like just totally give up a very yeah. serviceable two-way point guard. I don't think. And I don't think their plan, and maybe Stan Van Gundy's part of this, like, and Stan Van Gundy even said when he was in Detroit, like, we're not a free agent destination. So we're going to have to make some risky trades, like bringing in Blake Griffin to draw in stars. And so I think New Orleans, I just don't think teams are going, players are going to New Orleans. Even if Zion is like likable and all that. Like, it's just not a great market, you know? Um, Maybe you'll get like a role player, like a young, yeah. like I don't know, who, who like RJ Barrett or something down. I mean, not RJ Barrett, um, but that's, what, but that's like Cam Reddish or something down the line. That's yeah. been like one of the weird things for like the Drew Holiday trades is like none of them particularly make a ton of sense for like New Orleans. Like there was a Philly media site that was like trade Drew Holiday, like the Sixers should trade back for Drew Holiday and they should give up like Horford a first round pick and like right. somebody else. And it was like, what, how does that make sense? Like we want a situation where Zion plays 
you know, 28 to 32 minutes a game. And he plays mostly at the five spot. And like, why would New Orleans get rid of like their best perimeter defender who literally is probably the best guy in the NBA at guarding ones and twos to like get a random guy that doesn't make sense. Cause like you also want to give Lonzo that sort of security blanket too, right? Where like he doesn't have to have the ball and he has a lot of opportunities to shoot spot up threes. Cause like the worst thing we want is to like have Lonzo have the ball in his hands. I think 50% of the time, like it makes, this is the perfect team that makes sense to have that sort of like, because Brandon Ingram is such a ball stopper, like this team makes so much sense to have two, you know, very, similar kind of point guards with size and length to play defense, but also can handle the ball and take the pressure off Brandon Ingram too. Cause I right. think as we so, move forward, Brandon Ingram is going to end up being their leading scorer unless Zion's just a freak, right? Like unless Zion's just like a 30 point per game. Yeah. Guy. And Zion might be their leading scorer even without like drawing up a lot of plays or, you know, having the ball a lot like time yeah. of possession wise. Um, yeah. But I think the, tw- I think you're right. Like, I think tweaking makes more sense. The thing I would do with this team is like, let's say you roll with Drew Holiday and Lonzo interchangeable kind of guards then i think like the bench right now has alexander walker who will be like he didn't have a great rookie year i like josh hart but the both those guys are both like probably should be like shooting guards maybe i don't know um but they're not small forwards so like how do you you need a bigger wing i think right and they still have jj's small too you know especially these days for he can't guard anyone past the shooting guard spot right and, but but zane like maybe the you know you're you're all about each one more and you're like 99 cent pieces but like maybe that's a big part for new orleans is like they want to bring each one more back like I, I haven't seen any sign of that though i mean based on the last administration he barely played and even he's not that big he's like you know six five or something yeah i want to i would love to see them with like a big Who's like a big three and D small forward? Who's not great? I don't know. Like a prime Trevor Ariza, let's say. And then okay. you could play go small and play Zion at the five and Brandon Ingram at the four. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's why they make the most sense. I think in the, I think they, what are they have the twelfth pick this year, thirteenth pick? They're mm-hmm. they're just inside the lottery, right? So it makes a lot of sense for them to be on like the Sadiq Bay, Aaron Neesmith, like Patrick Williams types i think because like those are your bigger you know like size some shooting Devin vassal if he falls that that far right. no absolutely i think a lot of teams should do that like look at boston where it's like yeah you feel like you have a lot of small forwards like okay draft another one it's fine like that that's like the default like in the case of a tie draft a big wing that's like the way to go we were talking about that a couple weeks ago and i think that is it's interesting because like we've seen other teams do it too with like varying degrees of success, but because Boston hit on like three wings in a row and like, they're getting minutes from like semi Ojolay, it's like, Oh man, Boston, like this is how you do it. But that's, I mean, that's to me, like that seems, cause if you look at the guys that get drafted, like Otto Porter, right. Everyone thought he had like a really low ceiling, but like, again, you're talking about like a six, eight, like 220 pound wing who can make an open three. Like that guy's going to always be able to play. Now, is he worth a hundred right. million? Maybe not, but like, and the great NBA. thing about Otto Porter is he could play at a few different spots. Like he's like right. that's why I love Paul George and I'll defend him. It's like he's so easy to fit on any, any team. team. Yeah, although not apparently not the Clippers. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just like except a really stacked title contender. So what we were um, going to do this week, but there's not really that much time, and I don't want to just like jam it in there. Like we were going to talk the Athletic released a t- uh, the 125 like best players in the NBA based on some varying. I think Seth Parnell wrote the article, so some varying. Uh, degrees of metrics but we, we were gonna that we could save that we can we can save it i, I will because I, I, I i got drawn into this draft talk i want to give you four different things on bovada that are 
over-unders for draft prospects. Because okay. maybe we hit could me. hit them before hit the public gets, you know, the listenership. Will okay, let's stick the with the draft. Next week, though, listeners, you have some homework. Next week, The Athletic, five tiers, 125 best players in the NBA from – I think they, they they deliberately didn't rank them, but it's like Giannis is very clearly number one, and then Tyler Hero is the last guy in tier five. So at one hundred twenty five, yeah, and we're gonna and we're gonna draft a team. Each of us are gonna pick teams without comparing them based on one player from each tier. So just a starting five, one player from each tier, and we'll talk about that next week, assuming there's no like news. But anyway, okay, so Bovada, okay, so over under. Give me over under, and you can say earlier or later because it might be confusing. Um, okay, yeah, think, so. So yeah, over, you need to tell me <laughs> over means they're going to go later. So just call me, okay. say earlier or later. Okay. Um, Anthony Edwards on Bovada over under pick 1.5. So it's either one or not one. Basically. Yeah. I think I, I think based on who has the number one pick, I, I, I think I would take over. But you're saying, Lame- I think so you're saying later. Up, I think Lamella Ball ends up being the number okay. one. Pick. So if you say later than the one point five, that would be plus one fifty odds. So that's a good. I bet. actually, if there's an alternate line on Anthony Edwards being the third pick, I think that that would be what I'd want to bet my money on because I don't think Golden State will take Anthony Edwards unless they they are confident they can move off Andrew Wiggins. I just don't think they'll do that. They don't make sense together. So if that's the case, I think. But somebody then might trade up. I don't know. But I would say I think Anthony Edwards goes later than one. Okay, so. Earlier or later, James Wiseman, 2.5. Later. I think he's a draft day fall. Yeah, because it, it seemed like he was trending that way. There's been some positive buzz about him lately. You know, allegedly, teams are coveting him. They said, I think his, they I said think Golden his State and Charlotte covets him. I don't know. I think his ceiling is three. Like, I think if he get, if he's there, Charlotte will take him at three. If it, Like, let's say it goes LaMelo or... Anthony Edwards, right? Like those two guys go one and two. I think Charlotte would take him at three. If Charlotte moves up or if somebody trades like, or something happens and like somebody else goes and Edwards is there at three, I think Charlotte would take Edwards instead of Wiseman. So like, I think that's a big deal, but if we could talk more about him, cause it was interesting. Cause I, it was Chad Ford and John Hollinger arguing and Chad Ford saying, not arguing, very civilly. booking Chad Ford after they, he has his own he, stuff now. He has oh, his own okay. website and podcast. Right. Okay. Um, but he was saying Wiseman's helped by the finals. Cause he could be like a bam. And then Hollinger was saying he looks more like a son white side, uh, yeah, which I, I think know. you kind of feel like bam would, I mean, we haven't seen any evidence that James Wiseman can play in pick and rolls on the perimeter. Literally none. Like, and, and part of that's that we just don't have a lot of evidence that he can do anything, right? Because we just haven't seen a lot of film. But I would be stunned if somebody drafts him to be Bam. Like, it doesn't make no, sense. I, yeah, I think, I think you're looking at him like a, you know, Embiid type or whatever. White side. That's, a, that's a good one. John Hollinger is so snarky, by the way. Like, that guy loves taking shots at people. Anyway... That's why it's so interesting that he'd be on a podcast with Chad Ford. You would think I know. Would. Blast from the past. Okay, <laughs> earlier or later, um, LaMelo Ball is at two and a half as well. Uh, earlier. I, I would. What's what, what, go what one are, or two. What are the odds? Like, what is, it's, what it's is Bovada It's minus 250 right now. So. For him to go yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not going against the grain there. I think he's going one or two. Um, Obi Toppin, polarizing name. Oh, earlier or later, he's listed at four and a half. I don't so want to get. I don't to, want to let my personal bias get in the way of this because I personally would not take him. I think at the back half of the top ten is fine in this draft. I don't really like him there either. But I'm going to say later 
Yeah, because those top I, picks are Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, Chicago. No obvious fits, but they're saying makes, Cleveland likes him at number five, apparently. He makes some sense in Chicago for sure, right? He, he does make some sense. You could, you probably think you can play him next to Wendell Carter. I don't think he's a four. Like, I just don't see that. So I would not take him if I was Chicago, but he's also very – he's really old because, like I said, at some point we're going to play older or younger, and, like, we're going to use Obi Toppin. He's one day younger than Jason Tatum. Like, that's yeah, a very – He's three years older, over three years older than Anthony Edwards and, and James Ball. Weissman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and so it, it's, it's not, and again, it doesn't mean that he doesn't, you know, like we've seen seniors be very good, right? Like we've seen juniors be very good. Like that's the way it is. But like, you know, if it's going to take him a couple years to get there and all of a sudden it's like, okay, he's in his prime, but he's 26. Does that mean he's did he redshirt? Was it injury redshirt or what, what happened? Cause he's only a sophomore. Yeah, he took a prep year and a redshirt year, I believe. Yeah, the, the history of redshirt basketball players is pretty bad. Is it actually bad? Yeah, like I'm thinking like Frank Kaminsky redshirted. He's um, not terrible. Kelly Olynyk was a redshirt, right? There was that guy, um, the big center from Creighton who went like 15 a few years ago for Minnesota. I forgot that. Justin Patton. Yeah, Justin Patton. He's like they're like he redshirted and he had a, a really good yeah. year. So maybe and like what's up with that? And he turned out to be kind of a bust. Um, it's just not that many red shirts he, in general. Mikel Bridges, young. I think, was a red shirt who did pretty well. He red. He was a red shirt five year guy or red shirt junior. He was a red shirt junior. Yeah. yeah, but he was also like 120 pounds. So Grant kind of Grant Riller this year red shirted because of an injury. Red shirt senior probably going to you know going to be a big time scorer at the NBA level. Just want to shout that out. I mean, um, and then. Then these ones you might not know. I, I, these ones are kind of confusing on Bovada because it's like, how many freshmen drafted in the top ten? Like, does Lamelo count as a freshman? I don't no, think so. He does not. You you have to actually be a freshman or a redshirt freshman. So let me give you a number, and you tell me if you think. Let me tell, let me give you a number. So how many freshmen in the top ten? I think we'll get Anthony. Ed- I know we'll get Anthony Edwards. I am very certain we will get Isaac Okoro. That's two. So the question is, do we get for sure one more? I'm going to say the, the number they give is two. Well, is two and a half. Oh yeah, Wiseman counts as a freshman. That's right. He Wiseman, and then okay. So I'm going to say the number they give is three and a half. Is that right? It's actually, and it's it's four and a half. But there's heavy money on the under right now for the same yeah. reasons. You're- you think so i guess one and a half but it's minus 300 i mean i guess the big question is like does anyeka if if you're going over four and a half it would be edwards wiseman akuro okongwu and then like precious four maybe precious could hit number 10 he's listed at 10 on the mac draft patrick williams has some helium you could see a guy like cole anthony maybe you know really shoot up tyrell 10 henry or tyrell terry excuse me has some real helium but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's under, not a terrible bet, but it's under, you're, under you're, it's four like, and a half. Under four and a half seems likely. And then this one is also a little confusing to me because it's international players in the top ten. And I was wondering, like, does Lamelo count as international? I guess so. He, he does count as international. So, like, okay, so how many of international guys do you think that will go in the top ten? I'll give you some names. Uh, I, 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 I have my answer. I'm going to go with okay. five. Well, because you're looking at Denny, you're looking at Lamelo, you're looking at Killian Hayes. That's that's three. Three. Your guy, you think you're Poku, Poku I think, is going. You think he's in the go top ten? Yes, I do think that. And then uh yeah, so Denny, Lamello, Killian Hayes, 
Poku. Ah, damn. I, I meant to say, I wanted to say four. I don't think, I think it's going to be four. I think Poku is going to go top four. So if you, if you want to do that, that's your big money bet. If you want to bet on Tyler Laurie and the stick man from Serbia, there's three and a half. So you could make plus 300 on that bet. So the over under on Bovada for that is three and a half. Okay. If Lamelo counts one. as international, I think he, he does. does. He does count as international. What else is he going to count as? He played for an international team last year. What else would he count as? I also think I it's interesting, know. too, because, like, we really haven't heard a lot about – this will be my last point of the draft, and then we can talk more Bachelor or sign off. But we haven't heard a lot. Like, you know, there was the whole thing about, like, R.J. Hampton, right? Like, for a while, he had, like, a lot of healing. We haven't heard anything about R.J. Hampton, right? Like, we have, we have heard, like, nothing from other teams. And there's some other guys, too. Like, remember Theo Melodon at one point right. people really like Leandro Bomaro. Right now it seems like Desmond Bain is a big-time riser. It seems like Malachi Flynn is pretty safely in the first round. Those are guys we hadn't heard about. Like I'm, I'm serious. Like we are still over a little less than a month out from the draft, but in about once the election stuff is finished, like once the election is done and people have other things to do with their time, like, cause you know, the media for, for all right. their, their greatness is quite liberal and they do care quite a lot about the election. That includes, well, media. here's a conspiracy, but theory. we're going to see a lot more news about guys. So I would say this is the time to really kind of zero in on like your Sam Bassini articles. You know, you love Chad Ford, but like those types of guys, <laughs> they've been keeping up with this the whole time. And NBA teams haven't been putting out a ton of smoke. I don't think because there just hasn't been a market for it. And I think there will be in two weeks, a, a huge one. Well, you know, all the young athletes are rooting against Trump, I think. Um, and understandably so. But I wonder if like the league, like corporate partners are like, if Trump, the reality show of Trump goes away, people are going to start watching sports again. People are going to have watching TV again. You know, like everything will go back to normal, basically. Don't you think that's that's part of the like ratings decline? That's the hope. I I mean, I I don't, I don't want to get into the ratings decline. I do think that's one of the, like, I do think cable news is definitely cobbling a lot of. What do you think the ratings will be if, we have a contested election, a violent civil uh, war. Is that going to affect the draft or no? Will we draft in the middle do, of a civil please war? Please don't, please don't do this. Please. <laughs> my, my mental psyche is already so, uh, it's already so fragile. Isn't if it? we're in the middle of a civil war and there's like, let's say there's warring troops in Missouri. Let me ask you. And a, the let, draft is on the other channel. Which draft, which would you watch? I'm going to watch the draft. You're going to watch the draft? I'm going to watch I the draft. Uh, Did you watch the debate or Eagles-Giants? I can't even remember. I, well, I guess the, debate I the, ended bef- the-, the, the debate ended before Eagles-Giants. So you were able to watch like the last okay, yeah. quarter of Eagles-Giants. Yeah, but- I did watch the end of the game. Yeah. And it's, so like here, here's, my, here's my thing. I, here's my proposed question to you. And you can choose to answer it or you can just choose to sign off. Let's say your personal income goes down twenty thousand dollars if Biden wins, but you never have to watch any political coverage again. Like the news, the news media just is away from politics; it's totally gone. What would you What would you choose, Biden or Trump? So I, would I give up twenty thousand a year for Biden to win the election? Just twenty thousand this year. At some point, the economy. Oh, just economy twenty thousand. Well, at some point, the economy will recover. It's a V-shaped recovery, if you haven't heard. I think I would. I would pick Biden. I, it, it's not even about like I think it's best for the country this is best for my mental health that's what I'm, like at, at a certain point i think there's just people that are like look if we just get rid of trump like if he just doesn't win then like 
we just don't have to care about this anymore. We don't have to watch, right? Like it's not because even if yeah, you I don't, just don't think it's like it's not like, to like get like new agey, but like I just don't think it's healthy for people to like stress out watching the it, news all the time. It, and that's what I'm saying. It's it's very much seeping into like regular life, right? It's 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 very hard for you to watch any sort of broadcast and not have some messaging about it. And and that's even including like like you're not even in a swing state, right? Like you you know California like. It's going to go blue. Like that's how it always does. And I'm certain that you can't avoid it. You're in a swing state, right? I mean, what are they saying? I don't, I don't know. I don't want to know. I mean, I I know that I can get out there and start campaigning or what? I I, I I mean, I mean, like I have a lot of friends who do this kind of thing because they're very like active and, you know, they probably tweet about it more than they actually do it. It's exhausting to be active though. It's exhausting. But I did do some phone bank calls during the primaries. Did you really? I did. And it was the most awkward thing ever. I felt so uncomfortable calling these people and bothering them out of nowhere. And of course, no one changes their mind based on like my timid, you know, sales pitch. And it was just super uncomfortable. So weren't I you give people for, credit. Weren't you calling for like Amy Klobuchar? I was calling for Amy Klobuchar. I was probably the only one ever called on her behalf. <laughs> um, in California, I, it actually matters, of course. So No, <laughs> I was calling primary. people in Iowa, I think, at the time. And she did pretty well in Iowa, and I think she, there's a correlation there of the Minnesota, three people I called. Borders, Minnesota. Well, that's the one thing. It's like, uh, you know, the, the ads are just out of control, right? Both candidates, and Biden specifically, are spending so much. But, like, Biden's from Wilmington, and that's 20 minutes down the road from where I live, 25 minutes down the road from where I live. So, like, this is probably not a great like boots on the ground, like, oh yeah, this is what I'm seeing. You know, like I, I probably need to drive out to like central PA to see if it's really a split. I don't know, but I already voted and I've washed my hands of it. Like my ballot was dropped in a, an official ballot box. So we don't need to worry about mail. Uh, we just hope that there's, I thought about maybe going to count votes on election day. Cause like they're going to be overwhelmed of course. But then I was like, eh, I don't want to be part of this. I, I don't know. I just want to like it seems like such a crazy system that you like some random Tyler Laurie shows up and counts <laughs> votes. Uh, yeah, don't even start. Don't. Uh, I mean, well, can you next uh, next week or next couple of weeks? I want you to win. The draft's twenty days away. We'll have a draft show yeah, at some point. Twenty days away. It seems like it's so close. I mean, it seems like it was so far away, and then that's yeah. crazy. I want I want you to cast weeks? your vote. You could do early if you want, mail it in. But I want you to officially cast your vote for either Anthony Edwards or Lamella Ball. Yeah, I think it's. Pick. I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I think it's. It makes more sense for me, for Minnesota to take LaMelo Ball and just go all in on being like this high-powered offense. That's what I think personally, but it's hard to do with D'Angelo Russell. I think they could play together. I think LaMelo has the one special talent in this draft class. Like that that would be my final kind of like closing argument if I was picking LaMelo. Like he's the one yeah, guy. You're on the camp, you're cold calling campaign trail in Minnesota trying to win hearts and minds. You're I, I just think – and I wonder if like they're, they'll worry about like his personality with Carl Towns' personality and D'Angelo Russell. Like all those guys are kind of laid back. Like they they kind of are, you know banged I, up a lot. You know, like it's very the hell weird. Out of me. Both of them scare the hell out of me. And, and Edwards I, I is don't... laid back too. Like don't get me wrong, but he's not like Lamelo is shut. Like if you had Lamelo and D'Angelo Russell as co ball handlers and like co creators, you'd be so high up on your like basketball IQ rating, right? Like those would be two of I the highest know. basketball IQ players in the NBA. I just don't like Lamelo. I, you know what? Two reasons. It's because you don't like Lavar. But I want to see Lavar's. No. I want to see Keenan Thompson playing Lavar ball regularly on SNL. That's what I want to see. I just don't like Lamelo for a few reasons. One, he plays for this terrible New Zealand team and just jacks up a bunch of shots, and people think his like stats are good. Um, Do they think his stats are good? Well, he averaged a lot of points based on like you know shooting twenty times a game, yeah, at, like thirty five percent, and also like. 
it's the same with Lonzo. And actually, I read, read somebody make a good point about this. Like, why does Lonzo's shot look so funky? Why does LaMelo's shot look a little funky? It's because, I think, and I think this guy made the good argument, they were, like, encouraged to shoot threes before their bodies were really ready to do it. And so, like, to do that, they kind of had to, like, hoist them up in a funky fashion. And then it kind of just set in. It's like a um, entire Reese Halliburton actually read, watched an interview where he said the same thing where he's like, I just wasn't strong enough to shoot threes. So I had to kind of like have a hitch into my shot. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we've seen Lonzo change that Lamelo shot is weird, but it's better than what Lonzo's shot looked like. Right. Cause there wasn't the natural, like the, the natural like misdirection in Lonzo's shot was like a huge problem. Right. Like he shot across his body. Lamelo just kind of like pushes. The one thing I will say about Lamelo is that, you know, you're, one of your big criticisms with Lonzo Ball is that, like, he doesn't drive, right? Like, he caught alley-oops sometimes in college, but, like, he never gets to the rim. But, like, LaMelo has, like, a very advanced, like, touch-finish package, if that makes sense. Like, he's certainly not driving. And, like, he can – he's very athletic, but, like, he's certainly not driving through guys. But he does have a very nice, like, collection of, like, floaters and, like, finishes around the rim that make me feel – more confident in him as a scorer in the NBA than I ever did about his brother. Like I think well, he, you know what the other reason I don't like about him, I think, and why I would cast my vote for Anthony Edwards reluctantly. Um, I actually am very impressed watching interviews with a lot of these guys, young athletes. They seem very mature for their age. Like Russell Wilson at twenty one, like was probably more yeah, articulate and like polished than I am in my thirties. It's like Russell Wilson was like built in a lab of like this is what you're supposed to say, and some yeah. of it's even like cringeworthy. It's like so corny. Right? It, they they are like, like politicians, but like yeah, Lamelo is one of those kids, and understandably so. But like he's nineteen and he sounds like a kid. And that scares me. Like he, he doesn't seem like he has this what is with you? adult what is, mentality. What is with you in like public person speaking engagements I, and how it affects the way that you? So surely I watched them and I think they, surely you knew after Adam Gase's Jets press conference that it was gonna be a yeah. disaster. You had to. You always say this, but you like Adam Gase. Well, I, Anthony Lynn's like one of the best idea. public speakers I've ever seen. Well, I don't know about that, but he's <laughs> he's very good. But like there's certain guys like Bill O'Brien, like he does kind of instill confidence in you. And I think that's why he'll probably get another job. Yeah, it was amazing. In Hard Knocks, he said the F word uh, 300,000 times in a six episode show. It was so great. I I think like Bill O'Brien, I I think I would be more amenable to giving Bill O'Brien a job if he was just never allowed to give his opinion on who should be on the team. Like he can take who's on the team and decide to do what he wishes with them. That is okay. But I, I think if he walked in the office and was like, hey, maybe we should do this, I'd just be like, sorry, Bill, you're fired. I, I just, you just can't. It's the Doc Rivers thing. Like, you just, there are so few guys that have ever had the ability to do both jobs. Right. And that's maybe why Stan Van Gundy didn't work out in Detroit. I think it was yeah, a losing situation, no, but. Yeah, he should have no player control. Just because it, he's, he's so, like, I remember J.J. Redick saying this, like, Stan Van Gundy works so hard. Like, he just throws himself into it, right? Like, he's just basketball all the time. And if you're doing that and you're trying to scout and you're also trying to coach, you can't do both during the season, right? So when the season's over and all of a sudden it's draft time, now Stan is three months behind every other team, right? So, like, I think you have to understand that, like, there's got to be a balance, and I don't think he's capable of understanding that. So as just a coach, I would expect to be pretty happy with Stan Van Gundy, I think. Yes, I agree. I think he's one of the – certainly one of the 30 best coaches in the world. So I'm glad. All right, uh, homework – 
for listeners, read the athletic uh, top 125 players. Uh, Xander, do you have any journalistic pieces coming out in the next week? What are you, what are you writing about? Anything good? I did the 99 cent store thing. Um, bargain free agents. We could talk about at some point. Okay. Although if we record next week, you realize it'll be the day after the election. How are we going to ignore that? We'll talk about it. I think, I mean, it's not going to, I mean, what's it going to change? Like I already know what I want to have happen. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't, right? Like <laughs> this is kind of the way this works. I can't, I would say that everybody in, if we have any listeners in States that, uh, are doing mail-in ballots, I would say search for a ballot box and don't mail your ballot. But that would be my only piece of advice. For anybody on either party, you should do that if you want your vote counted. Right? Yeah, no, uh, totally. He is uh, Xander Gellison, Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit, and email the show, xandergellison at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back next week, just once a week for, for now, unless somebody wants to sponsor a second show, then maybe we'll do twice a week, but once a week. And uh, Zan, as always, it's a pleasure. Good luck out there. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 